senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. Finally, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 88, we decided. It's 88, lucky 88. Uh, after another goddamn two-week hiatus. So it, here's the deal. If you've been listening, you know <laughs> we've been looking for a new home office for quite a while. Our last episode two weeks ago, we announced, hey, we found it. The deal is done. Offers have been made and accepted on every side. It's smooth sailing from here on out. The thing we didn't take into account is uh, lawyers and people <laughs> who don't seem to understand what the word agreement means. Um, yeah, when when you see in writing, I have agreed to your terms, you would figure that when you offer somebody a document with those terms, they would then sign it. You would think. Um, <laughs> this, however, uh, is not law and order. <laughs> it's not even cop rock if you want no. that's true oh, god um, so yeah it was uh everything was set up and uh, i don't want to go into too much detail because uh, it's exciting for us because we had to live it uh you're here to listen about comic books it'll but, make an excellent story someday after the statute of limitations runs out exactly but uh yeah there was uh very much a <laughs> you must pay the rent i can't pay the rent i i agree to this except i don't and we have a deal, and the deadline is 5, and at 5.10, up oh, one last thing, real Columbo negotiating. Just, yeah. Uh, uh, just one last thing, sir. Uh, oh, just one last thing. And, uh, yeah, it looked like various deals were going to fall through right up until, what, Thursday this week? Yeah, like, and and so we had to keep looking at other properties. and Yeah, which is what completely sucked the life out of us last week. You know, we spent the entire weekend looking at... At, at new places, none of which we liked as much as the place that we thought we had a deal on. No, and I'm pretty sure the realtor at one of them gave me the cold I have now, so thanks! Yeah, very possible. Um, it, <laughs> we're lucky we don't have some sort of weird form of jungle hepatitis from the house we looked at. That The pictures were beautiful. Giant kitchen, vaulted ceilings, real 1980s Manhunter, Miami Vice shit that you know, Amanda and I grew up on. If you watch Miami Vice in the 80s, that if that did not lock in your idea of what cool architecture is supposed to be, uh, <laughs> you really weren't paying attention to those shows. But it looked beautiful. We walked into the place, and the one thing the pictures couldn't capture was the patina of cat piss and, <laughs> and just animals. It, there were animals in it. There were, they, they were, it, was, it was like when you watch that hoarding program. And, and you, it's one of the ones where there are animals that are, that are stuffed in the house. This was that house. <laughs> yeah, just at every corner, there's a reptile cage and a bird cage and giant bins of cat food. It well, sh what should have tipped us off was the picture showed there was a koi pond in the backyard. Well, no, that didn't tip us off because like, oh, cool, koi pond. Yeah, except the only reason in this city to have koi pond is because you just need need animals. You fucking need them. Which is silly because the section of town that this house is in is fairly rural. They've got coyotes and skunks and raccoons and squirrels and shit. Yeah, it's already. <laughs> no, this was like we walked in the house and it's like, oh, what a lovely entryway. What's that smell? <laughs> oh, they seem to have animals. And then you turn a corner and in the first bedroom. 
the bedroom that's not in photographs on the site. Yeah, that should have been a tip-off. Three bedroom. They only had pictures of one of them. It's like crammed with reptile cages. <laughs> And, Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. And as we're taking all of this in and, and just the, the, the level of filth that, that could not be accounted for in the pictures, I'm, I'm beginning to think that they smeared the lens of whatever camera they used with Vaseline to make it look like some sort of soft core porn filter. I don't think they smeared the lens. <laughs> I, I believe some animal was just jacking across the room to relieve the boredom of being trapped in this split-level ranch. And as we made our way back across the, the house to see the supposed gourmet kitchen also covered in a layer of filth, we hear this shrieking noise, and we're like, where is that coming from? Oh, the sunroom. Oh, the one that you know looks lovely in the pictures that we watch. Bird cages. Covered in bird cages full of birds. Shrieking, pooping. Pooping everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. I learned a long time ago. If there are birds, that means there's bird seed. And if there's bird seed, that means there's mice. Yeah. And, and, and crammed at the other end of the room are like a ton of fish tanks. There's the horror. I, I, I wanted to shower. I did shower when I got home. Yeah. Oh, and our, our poor real estate broker has an pet allergy to, to pet yeah. dander. He's turning red and blowing up like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man <laughs> as we're looking at him. He's like, the, the, the basement's so semi-finished. <laughs> Do you want to see the basement? I, I think we should, dude. It's like, okay, go look at it. Oh, the, the, basement, the, outside. the basement was, apropos of nothing, like crammed full of little tiny uh, lampshades. Just, just crammed full of them. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, and, we and a pool table. And we didn't luminol test them to see <laughs> if they were like human lampshades or like leather face. Yeah. <laughs> It's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. But I think it filled our realtor with, with the, the fury he needed to come back at the, the person that we were trying to buy the other property from. Yeah, so we, we did this all weekend. And then Sunday at about 5 o'clock, we, we get an email saying, you know, okay, they've agreed to your terms. They're coming back to the table with the original place you wanted. At that point, we we're just so emotionally and physically exhausted from running around. It's just like, okay, we'll, we'll do the show tomorrow. And we, yeah, we put the post up on the website. And then the horseshit started again with, oh, no, I meant one other thing, and it was back and forth. And at one point or another, both sides said, hey, fuck you, give me the money. Uh, and then finally, everybody took a deep breath and, and signed. So the deal is done. The home office move will be at the end of this month, as long as nobody fuck it up. It means we don't have to move to the property covered in frogs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole different property. It, it uh covered in frogs it was almost a plague it, like a yeah, biblical like type biblical of plague. plague like you know you watch these shows on hgtv and they always give the houses different nicknames when they're showing them to the prospective buyers and it's like you know the 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 double dutch door house you know the, the detached mess this would have been the biblical plague of frogs house like, yeah I and mean, it was really the, the shit that we looked at when it looked like our deal was gonna fall apart the names would have been yeah plague of frog house cat piss manor <laughs> I'm settling bungalow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I'd known it was going to be like this, I'd have never done it. I never would have done this. Looking for real estate sucks. <laughs> this is a purely optional thing. And part of it was, you know, for you, the listener, I I wanted a nice, bigger studio to keep everything set up and maybe add more gear to it. This is your fucking fault, listener. <laughs> But we love you. Please keep listening. Yes, we we do. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we couldn't keep doing this. So, 
So, yeah, long story short, there will probably not be a show the weekend of Halloween. I think that's, what, November 1st? Yes. Because we just may not well have any kind of internet access at that point. Uh, we, I think all the heavy lifting is fucking done now. We should yeah. be clear up until the end of the month except for uh, that weekend. Yes. So hopefully there will be no further interruptions of service. Other than Halloween weekend. Yeah, so thank you for sticking with us through this. Yeah, and through the first uh, seven, eight minutes of the show of just more fucking real estate bitching, <laughs> I apologize. It's just, it's been, it's been our lives, and it I, sucks so much. I'm pretty sure I know who got me sick. I, I'm pretty sure it was the realtor at the uh, I'm Settling Bungalow. Right. <laughs> I, I can't shake hands, because I have a cold, but I, I won't be in your hair. Just... Just, just take a look around the house, and then she proceeded to follow us around the house and breathe on us. Now, the, now, what we like about this property in here is the acoustic baffling. This used to be a music studio. <laughs> yeah, which was interesting. If, okay, it could be a podcast studio. Let me breathe on you some more. <laughs> Except, yeah, the house was built in 1920. God only knows how many you know, dead child laborers were buried in the walls. And- I brought cookies. Take a cookie with you. I didn't touch them. I just dumped them out into the bowl. Yes, and certainly <laughs> didn't breathe anywhere near them. So I'm holding out. I feel all right. <laughs> I feel okay. I took a cookie. I felt guilty. Well, <laughs> either way. I didn't eat the cookie. <laughs> well, it, you should have, because clearly it didn't help. Yeah. You, yeah. You wasted calories on nothing. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Hopefully that's the end of it. There will still be talk about this as it comes up to fruition, but we'll try to keep it to a minimum. And hopefully it won't get in the way of another show until the end of the month. And then hopefully that's it. We're back on an even keel with good internet and a good permanent studio space that doesn't need to be taken apart every week. And everything can go on like none of this national nightmare (laughs) ever happened. Yes. So with that piece done... Even with that piece, that was only weekends we had to run around, so we've been able to sort of catch up on some of the TV shows that we've been missing. Yes. We intended last week's show to be about Heroes Reborn, and now it's three episodes in, so that's about a quarter of the way through. Roughly. Yeah, so it feels like... it's going to be 13 episodes run? So so yeah, a little under a quarter. So it feels like there's enough there to, to really begin talking about it. Now, we mentioned a few episodes back that Amanda and I have a really we've got a soft spot for heroes. We do. We we understand and agree with everybody's you know the standard opinion is season 1 was spectacular. There was nothing like it for comic book fans. It was just yep, this is exactly what we've been waiting for on television for years. Yep. And then series 2 started to bite the sack <laughs> and the ri- started to bite the sack. And the writer strike didn't help anything yeah. and they just never sort of got their keel back and it sort of limped to a finish line and uh, season four, where at least they were given the opportunity to sort of say, yep, okay, this is a logical endpoint for this. And everybody sort of moved on with their lives. Yeah. But, you know, we have a soft spot for it because our first San Diego Comic-Con was in 2006. And Heroes was the first, you know, big media thing that we went to yeah. at any comic book convention. And it was one of those things where we just sort of happened to be in the room. We got good seating for it. We could see. <laughs> well, it was on our list. Yeah. Uh, but we weren't going to kill ourselves to get to it. But yeah, we just sort of happened to be close. And you know, people had heard of it. But number one, Comic-Con was not as big as it is now. Right. And number two, 
yeah, it was, it was going to be a show about superheroes. But on paper, that was not necessarily the biggest deal in the world. Because yeah. Smallville was on. That's and, true. You know, superheroes in the movies had caught on because we had Spider-Man and X-Men. But it was sort of in a weird balance where it felt like at any moment the, the bottom could fall out. Spider-Man 3 was just around the corner and that yeah. just about killed that franchise. It did kill the franchise. They had to reboot it That's within right. a couple of years. And X-Men 3 kind of killed that franchise oh. for a while. Oh. So the the whole superhero in movies really could have gone either way for a while. Marvel Cinematic Universe hadn't happened yet. So, yeah, it was, okay, there's a superhero show. Uh, how good can it really be? And we watched the pilot, and it was really exciting. So we felt invested yeah. far earlier than most people. And that feeling never went away. The stuff from your first Comic-Con, I don't care if it's something like Heroes or the piece of art that you come home with, or the signed book, or just the, the artist that you happen to meet. Those experiences, no matter how many comic conventions you go to, there, there's nothing quite like that first Comic-Con. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, we, we only did three days of it that year, and it just, it felt like it went forever. Yeah. It was just... You know, just looking. draining and exhausting, but exhilarating. <laughs> yeah, and it went on and on and on, and in a way that none, no comic convention we've been to ever has since. Now they're really all, you know, oh, Jesus, is it over already? But but yeah, that first one is just such sensory overload, particularly, you know, we'd been to conventions in Boston, but... Nothing that scale. In the early 2000s, it, yeah, they were in the basement of a fucking hotel. Right. So to go from that kind of experience to... San Diego, even in 2006. Yeah. So, yeah, we've always had an investment in Heroes, even as it started to suck. And I really have been looking forward to Heroes Reborn because of that. And we may be the only ones. It's possible. You, know, <laughs> you don't see a hell of a lot of, you know, excitement in the comics press, or I haven't seen a hell of a lot of podcasts. Uh, yeah, Heroes Reborn. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so it was with great... Excitement and a certain amount of trepidation that we we tuned in to watch the pilot, which was a two parter. Yep, that was a week before last. Yep, and yeah. uh, and and liked it well enough that we we watched the the second installment, which is the third episode. Yeah, look, let's face it, we're among the few people we watched every single episode of the original one. Yes, we're gonna watch all thirteen of these. Oh yes. Now, the question is whether you. The listener should watch all 13 of them. Yeah, so that, that it becomes, you know, does it redeem the the sad ending of the original? And does this new one hold up? <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't know. If I, can, <laughs> I don't know if I can really say I, I like it. Okay. Taking a step back, trying to be objective, could I say to somebody, yeah, you got to watch this? Whether they're a comic book fan or not, I mean, I, I'm not sure that I could. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's for for a bunch of. I mean, am I off base? Do you think something completely different? I. It has flaws, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about them. But there's a part of me that, like, you know, when I when I see Hornroom Glasses guy Noah Bennett on the screen, I'm like. Go Noah! I just forget about everything else about the show that's problematic. Like, just... Yeah, the 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 returning characters are the best part of it, and we've only seen a couple of them so far. We know we're going to see Hiro Nakamura. Yeah, because in the coming attractions, I think for next week's show, he shows up. Yep. 
But yeah, we've seen Noah. We've seen the Haitian. By the way, we're going to spoil the living shit out of this. If you haven't, if you've been on the fence, uh, we're going to spoil it. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, we saw the Haitian, uh, for about, uh, three and a half minutes <laughs> before dying like a moron. Yeah. And that I will talk about yeah. in a minute. Uh, we've seen a picture of Mohinder. Yes. Right after the June 13th explosion that killed almost everybody. Have we seen any of the other original characters yet? We will be seeing Grunberg at some point. Yeah, and uh, Micah is coming back, and we saw All grown Micah. Up, yeah, now we saw Micah in the uh, the web shorts that came out over the summer. Yes. Um, I forget who else is coming back. I mean, sir, I think uh, yeah, Angela not- Petrelli shows up eventually. Yeah, we saw her picture actually. Yeah, uh, in a in a file uh, while somebody was spying on. Hornrim glasses guy. Yeah. But uh, look, you're not going to get uh what's her face who played Claire? No. Yeah, no she, she, well, she's supposed to be dead. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll find out she's not. But um but yeah, did, many it, many actors who are in this show have moved on. Yeah. Many others have not. And I probably said, "Can I please come back?" <laughs> when you brought Hero back, well, he was kind of the breakout star. Come on. Don't, don't you miss the but nuclear guy, Ted the nuclear man. Ted the nuclear guy. <laughs> Bring him back from the dead. So, I, yeah, seeing the, the stuff that was as strong as it was, particularly in the first season, is exciting to see again. Yes. So, uh, great. That's fan service for people like us. You know, Yeah, I still remember seeing Company Man for the first time. Yeah, you show me Hornrum Glasses guy being a badass. And I've maintained right from the first season... On an infinite timeline, if they keep doing stories, he is going to wind up being the Batman of the Heroes universe. Yes. And we're... Unpowered master strategist. And it's... Certainly, I can't be the only person who thought of it, because this is one of the the problems that I have with Heroes Reborn, is there's just so much that is retreaded from other comic book stories. Did you notice, and this is slightly an aside... That that Noah Bennett, um, his his super his secret identity kicks in in reverse. It's it's when he puts the glasses on. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. I always <laughs> thought of the glasses as his mask. Yeah, but like you know, Clark Kent he he hides behind the glasses, so somehow nobody knows that he's Superman. Yeah, because of what a, a half inch of black plastic and. Maybe there's some glass in those frames. <laughs> <laughs> look, I try not to look anybody in the face anyway, so I could see how that would work. <laughs> but Noah... Uh, Life is just too short for human contact and empathy. No, whatever. I don't care what you look like. Go on. The glasses were in the envelope, and so when he put them on, <laughs> then well, he became hardware glasses guy guy. Well, it's when the Haitian gave back the glass, right? But yeah. I'm saying, like, even before that, though, like, it wasn't, it wasn't real. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's. I hadn't thought of it that way, but I, I looked at those glasses as as the mask. I, I yeah. always did because, yeah, he got the glasses somewhere during Company Man as he was starting to work for Primatech, right? So, yeah, he picked them out with Claire. She picked them out for him, right? So, so yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but the reversal of Clark Kent, I never really saw but it makes a lot of sense i'm very clever that way yes you are but but yeah i mean i was talking about the the retreading of comic stories and that's 
Some of them are obvious, but uh, I'll go more subtle with Bennett. Yeah, if you think of uh, Identity Crisis, okay, where Batman has his memory wiped, and as he starts to realize this thing has happened to him, he becomes more and more dangerous. Yeah, uh, I saw that as a, a parallel of okay, somebody's been been reading their comic books, but it's part of the problem with this miniseries, sort of in particular, although there always were sort of elements of other comic stories in Heroes. Yes. The, the original ones. But I mean, this one, you know, they're just all right out of the gate. June 13th, the explosion in Odessa that turns everybody against the Evos. <laughs> I hate that fucking name. Evos are... The, the only way you come up with the name Evos for these kind of people is in a world where Marvel owns Mutant. It's stupid. Mar- it doesn't does make any sense. Mutant. Actually, more specifically, Disney owns Mutant. Actually, no, Fox owns Mutant. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, 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 every time they say Evo, it sort of pops me out of the story a little. It's like that's uh, nobody would say Evo. Well, no, because it's also what Rachel Ray calls olive oil. <laughs> All right. Well, now you just made it fucking twice as bad. See, that's why it's, it's, it's just bugs. Now I'm not going to hear anything else. Thank you very much. God <laughs> damn it. But <laughs> so every time they say Evo, it's oh, it's just for fucking legal reasons. Nobody would call them Evos. It it would be uh, mutants or. Monsters, superheroes. Freaks. Freaks, sure. Todd Browning has that. <laughs> Going old on that one. But uh but yeah, that explosion that turn you know turns the government against them and starts a registration act that's Stanford from Civil War yep. with the new mutants. It is. Um just the frankly, the the hunting and the registration is every fucking X Men comic back to number one. Yep. The, the we, we've got a, a uh, uh, Evo Hunter who turns out to have powers or a relative with powers that's Striker from not only God Loves Man Kills but oh, yeah. from X-Men 2 uh, Senator Kelly in X-Men when you know Magneto's mutant Ray that never made any sense at all <laughs> but it was X-Men and we'd never seen a superhero movie like that so alright we'll let it slide but yeah that that uh, showed up yeah, to little things in, in this week's episode Harris Prime who yep. every time he's injured another clone comes out that's, that's madrox that's madrox without the noir charm and sense of humor <laughs> uh and then yeah the non-powered guy losing his memory that's batman from identity crisis yes there's just so many parallels parallels that and again they had them in the uh the original heroes you know the a mutant response team in season three. Oh yeah and uh sort of the the knockoff of the mutant growth hormone where they were trying to figure out how to give other people powers also in season three. Yep. And uh, yeah, the, the season two dark alternate future where everybody with powers has been knocked off. That was days of future past. Yep. But the, the problem is you could get away with that a little more in 2006, 2007 because the idea of big comic continuity uh, and these kind of stories weren't nearly as as big in the cultural consciousness because there were no Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. There was no, uh, you know, the <laughs> uh, Christ. I, what, what was my euphemism for the DC shows? The DCW. <laughs> there were no DCW with uh, Green Arrow going into Flash, going into Legends of Tomorrow. Yes. So, and, and yeah, as far as anybody knew, X Men was dead as of two thousand six with X Men three in the movies anyway right 
So, yeah, some of these stories people just had not been exposed to, whereas they have now. Or at least the concept of, uh, yeah, to, you know, Civil War is going to be fucking theaters yeah, in it seems, April. It does seem weird to, to be leading with something that does seem so blatantly similar to the events of Civil War when Captain America's Civil War is going to be coming out. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's not just Civil War. It's, like I said, every X-Men comic since 1960-whatever. Yeah. And it's, I get it, and it makes a certain amount of sense. The reason those stories all happened is, in the real world, if people started popping up with superpowers, that kind of shit would go on. It would. The one story, and you and I have talked about this, the one story idea I don't remember ever seeing anywhere is particularly if you're going to base these stories in the United States of people just popping up with potentially lethal superpowers, is the Second Amendment argument. That would utterly, totally start. Yeah. I don't know who would start it. Seriously, I'm trying to figure out, okay, people with superpowers start popping up. Would it be left or right wing who would say, we've got to lock them down? And the other side, by automatically saying, no, you're wrong, which would say, well, it's Second Amendment, and they have the right, just says the right to bear arms, doesn't say firearms, and if you can shoot fire out of your nutsack, (laughs) technically, that's arms. I think that would be a very interesting yeah, story you know, by the right writer because it'd be huge political and you know courtroom shit is not necessarily exciting comic books unless you got the right writer. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about the current legal definition of arms, but uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it also continues to ignore that the, the last part of the Second Amendment Amendment is um, a well-regulated militia. <laughs> Justice League done. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> why not think superman wouldn't argue that we're well regulated we we talk to congress all the time we, <laughs> we have an address we've got a hall of justice you can come find us <laughs> we've got a hierarchy again i don't know i don't know the legal definitions of these things so. uh, that, that's the thing it's utterly vague it's whatever anybody wants it to mean just about yeah you no know, it, it all depends on who's in power today right so <laughs> But it could make for interesting stories that I just, I don't think I've seen anywhere. Yeah. Or if I have, I don't remember. And now I'll get 56 emails of, oh no, X-Men number 192 or whatever, which is fine. Because if those stories exist and I don't remember them or I haven't read them, I'd love to read them. Sure. Just to see somebody do it. So yeah, if you've seen it, let me know. But it just, it struck me as, yeah, nobody ever seems to bring that up. It's like, nope, everybody gets registered. Uh. (laughs) I think it would be a more difficult argument because there wouldn't be a... uh heavily moneyed power lobby behind uh, being able to keep your powers because they're not making any money off of it currently. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? In the Heroes universe, I mean, right from episode one, the, the Petrelli family had some dough. True. And political juice. True. Except the uh, Siler took over Nathan Petrelli's <laughs> mind. That's such an awful storyline. Uh, the show really, <laughs> it really was hard, hard to defend <laughs> after the first season. All right, so so we've got stuff that out of the gate appears to be liberally lifting from well-known comic storylines. Yeah, and again, they always have, but with these other examples of big... See, I, I think part of why Heroes really hit in 2006 was the idea of a superhero universe in non-comic book media that could just continue and build on itself in the manner of a comic book wasn't anything anybody had ever seen before. True. 
you, know, you had superhero movies, but they were one and dones. Even the ones that were franchises, you yeah. know, Batman. It wasn't utterly necessary to have seen Batman to understand Batman Returns, to understand Batman Forever. Yeah. And nobody understood Batman and Robin, so it didn't matter which fucking one you saw. <laughs> there are and, not enough drugs to take before seeing Batman and Robin Forever. Yeah, and there was some continuity between the X-Men ones and, and the Spider-Man ones, but it wasn't completely stringent. It, it was it was not a case of it really matters that you, you follow along all the way through. And it wasn't a thing anybody had seen, at least within a comic book story. So comic book fans, at least I was excited about it because, yeah, this thing is building week by week. It's really a comic book story. As long as the thing goes on, it'll build up like all the comic books I love. Right. And it also came out at about the same time where Lost was the biggest thing on TV. So yeah. the idea for Joe Blow of a show that built up continuity was starting to make a certain amount of sense. But as a comic fan, it was, I get what you're doing. And there isn't anything else like it. The only thing on TV that was even remotely, it's not even remotely close, but had the kind of longevity and was on at the same time was Smallville. True. And, and that Sm was beginning to get kind of long in the tooth even. Well, yeah. And Smallville was very specifically, <laughs> at least at that point, it wasn't a superhero show. Yeah. So they always said, you know, no flights, no tights. Right. That sort of went away toward the end. Yeah. So it was, okay, it's a. It's a teen soap opera with some superpowers, but it's not really a superhero story because all the good shit with Clark and Lex happens much later than this. Right. So there wasn't anything like Heroes Around. With Heroes Reborn coming out, now there's a lot of it. There's all the stuff going on on the DCW just on television. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, Jesus, between movies and Netflix and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, and uh, Agent Carter on ABC. These kind of stories are everywhere, and a lot of them, almost to a one, really, are exceptional. They're all Pretty really much, yeah. good if you're a comic fan. So for Heroes Reborn to stack up... And and there's Supergirl coming out. Yeah, and, and how that fits into all these, uh, I don't think it's entirely clear. I think Greg Berlanti wants to have a certain amount of tie-in. yeah. But the, even that, that's kind of an outlier. The, assume that has no continuity with anything else. The idea of big superhero continuity on television is happening all over the place. Right. So for heroes to compete, which it didn't have to do in 2006, it was like, wow, this is really the first. It has to really be exceptional. And I'm not sure it's exceptional for people who aren't already predisposed to want to like heroes. Right. No, it's some of it works well. But a lot of it doesn't. I mean, do you want to start with being charitable now that we've already said, oh, it's not nearly as good as the other stuff that's on television, and it rips off stories you already know. It's well, I mean, there's sort of like I said, for me, the 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 warm, comfortable blanket of here's Noah Bennett, and we get to watch him in action again. Sure. So I forgive a lot out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then they introduce you to. Some characters who are new, but there's still a familiar feeling about them. I mean, the the big youthful character that they're pitching us going forward is this kid who kind of seems to have the power to wish you into the cornfield, and <laughs> and it, he has a version of of teleportation. He can teleport things rather than necessarily him. Well, he can even teleport himself to a certain degree. We saw that him use that power to get past his mom. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> 
All right, let's talk about Tommy. But it's like, well, no, I'm just saying, like, so you know, in the original series, we you, you're you're heavily pitched Hiro Nakamura, who who first begins by teleporting. <laughs> well, no, he first begins by turning. So I'm the sorry, clock by, back yeah, by, half by, a second. Yeah, he he does the time first. You're right, but then eventually discovers he can teleport. Yeah. So we've got this kid who's a teleporter. Okay. <laughs> um. But his his power is different because the teleportation is connected to he'll send things where wherever he thought of last, apparently. Yes. And I can see the parallels that you're saying between this Tommy character and Hiro Nakamura, except for the fact that character-wise, they're utterly different. Oh, I know. It was more just the power set. I thought that was an interesting, like, all right, we're, we're leading with a teleporter. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're leading with a teleporter. Uh, and a mind guy. The, the the penny for your thoughts guy. How do you not think of Siler to a certain degree? It's I gotta tell you, uh, one of the cooler things uh, about Heroes Reborn, and it, so far it's just been an image, but yeah, this guy walking around with a suitcase full of pennies. It's like, okay, that's interesting. You've got me hooked on this guy. And they haven't done much with him since then, but that was an arresting image. That was cool. That's a thing I haven't seen before. All we know is he's stalking Tommy. (laughs) Right. But let's let's go back to Tommy. Power-wise, you can parallel him with Hero, but part of what made the original Heroes hook in was Hero was us. Yeah. For all this horrible shit that was going on, Hero was just so joyful that this was <laughs> happening. He yeah. was, it's like, I have these awesome powers and he would, as the season and the series would go on, he'd start to realize, okay, well, there's some responsibility here and not everything about being able to do this is necessarily sunshine. I've seen New York explode. Right. That's not fun. No, his his case I'm feels I'm from Boston and I say, "Uh, oh, watching New York explode only half a good time." His his case feels a little bit more like they're lifting it from from Sarah and John Connor's storyline in in Terminator. <laughs> that and Spider-Man. Yeah. But no, the the fiercely protective mom who's shuttling him from place to place because he's special, but she wants to keep him out of danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I can I can see exactly what you're saying, but character wise, so completely different from Hero. Oh yeah, and well, because he's he's got his own Flash Thompson, you know, the guy that's bullying him, and then decides once he sees the powers in action that he wants to use him to to take out his abusive stepfather. Well. <laughs> Yeah, um, but the, the thing I was going to say is this is another case of Tim Kring, the, the guy who created Heroes, just not thinking through. The, he's It's like he write, writes down powers and says, okay, put this into the plot. The idea of a teenage boy who whatever he touches and whatever he's thinking about, what he's touching goes there. The fact that, number one, he has no idea at, let's call him 15 years old. Has no idea that's how his power works. Yeah. Makes no sense whatsoever. At, at some point or another, he had to have been holding a glass and his mom says, put it in the dishwasher. And he just goes, bloop. And it's in the dish. Something that simple. Yeah. Uh, you know, and at 15 years old, I know what I did all the time, 15 years old. All I, all I would know would be every night I'd lock myself in my room, shut the lights off. And the next day at school, I'd hear, oh, my God, somebody attacked my daughter and ejaculated in her face. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's, 
That's yeah. terrifying. Believe Paul. me, the, the minute I realized if I touched something, it would go away. Actually, that'd be the last time I jerked off. <laughs> and I would get a bidet. Believe me, I would start walking very carefully through the world. <laughs> Particularly if, if I touch it, I don't know where it goes. So it's, it's a power. Yeah, that's cool, but he has no idea how it works. He only has no idea how it works because they want to show, not tell. Okay, I get it. But the problem is with the show, not tell, I have to believe this kid has never stopped to experiment with his power. Yeah. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so we've also got the two Evo hunters who are, are uh, tragedy-stricken parents who brought their young son to... I want to call it Mutant Appreciation Day, but it's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I forget what the festival was called, but um, in Odessa. Brought yeah, them to Odessa. The Evo Summit, I guess. And and when tragedy struck there, their son was killed, so now embittered, they're, they're out killing Evos. Um, it, it, I think, I think the husband character is, you know, they, they wrote him to be more sympathetic, especially because he suddenly has now discovered he has powers. Right. And has to keep it from his wife, who's just angry and hates. She just hates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she hates and tries to be funny about it, but she's not very good at it. And she hates. Yeah. And just rages and wants to get him drunk. <laughs> so, oh, you don't want to kill mutants? So why don't you have some scotch? We'll get put a gun in your hand. You'll feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she the wife is a little one note. I'm hoping they do a little bit more with her soon, so that she's just less strident um and develops some more complexity <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not sure what to do with those two uh, number one i want a little background yes yeah, okay your son was killed and you you are upset i get that uh at what point did that give you firearms training where you can shoot people with super speed well they were in texas and- maybe they just were around guns all their lives yeah shooting those with super speed <laughs> It's a, I, I know, I know gun people and they shoot targets. Yes. I, I, I have a friend who's very proud of being able to take out a quarter from a hundred yards. I don't think he could hit the flash in the neck. <laughs> the flash moves and the quarter don't. I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a power that she doesn't want to acknowledge. I, I don't <laughs> It's possible, but both of them. Yeah. I, I don't know. No. And he's got the training and situational awareness to, Make sure that, oh, I've seen somebody operate uh, with fire powers, uh, get the fire extinguisher, and I know that will stop him. And when they're trapped in the room at Primatech, he's able to logic through. So he's a smart guy. I, I, I just, I want to know more background. Right yeah. now, they're just, they're boogeymen. They're boogeymen, and one of them uh, seems to be tired of killing. He just <laughs> wants to hang up his guns. Yeah. And he uh, explodes when he goes in the sun like an Irishman. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious what his power is actually supposed to be. I don't, not sure what that is yet. It reminded me of the first iteration of Ted in the pilot that was never aired. Yeah, sort of Ted the Nuclear Man. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. We're seeing a lot of the same powers over and over again. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then, and then, uh, the, Guy wearing the Mexican wrestling mask, uh, <laughs> whose brother starts off being the the vigilante. Yes, El Vingador, <laughs> <laughs> and and he's killed. 
I I looked it up. El Vengador means the Avenger. Okay. Um, but yeah, the way we're introduced to that that character, uh, Carlos is his name. I wrote yeah. it down. When we're introduced to that character, it's like, oh, okay. So apparently, uh, El Vengador is Spanish for drunken Mexican Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so we first meet the the brother Carlos that. The one that uh, picks up the mantle or the one who starts off? Carlos picks it up, I believe, Oscar. Uh, was the original Vengador. <laughs> yeah, it's showing that also an awesome superhero by immediately getting shot and dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had heart. He meant well. Um, <laughs> but Carlos, we see, like, we meet him balls deep in a teacher in a closet when he's supposed to be giving a speech about what it means to be a hero because he's a returning war vet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we see him having added a nip to his soda on the podium. <laughs> hey, man, I'm a war hero. <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, it's the one thing I'll give it, and I want to see how this character plays out. There's a couple interesting things going on. Well, he doesn't seem to have powers. Well, uh, yeah, it's his brother did, and his nephew does. Right. Oh shit! What's the nephew's power? He he can like manipulate matter. Oh. Can't he phase? Phase, yeah, yeah, he phases, yeah. Right. So. <laughs> That's pretty so, feeling matter. So, yeah, this poor guy got the shit into the stick. <laughs> but uh, the one thing I'll, I'll give it is finally, after, we'll call this the fifth season of Heroes, finally the superhero show has somebody wearing a goddamn costume. Yeah. So, and... Uh, that's not entirely fair. There was a, uh, I forget the name of the character from season four who uh, could taskmaster shit and learn things by seeing it, and she right. put on a costume. That's right. So, but it, but I, again, by see, I've never rewatched season four. <laughs> season one a couple times, but yeah, not four. But it's a, okay, great. There's somebody in a costume. Yes. So that, that that's going to be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I, I liked the priest character who's related to that particular crew of characters because he seems to be able to turn into smoke. <laughs> yeah. He makes me want a cigarette. <laughs> it just it, it does seem like everybody and their brother has powers. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how this many Evos could hide. It makes you wonder. But, I mean, that's <laughs> that's what they get into with, okay, Molly Walker is back all grown up. So here's this other set of group, uh, other set of characters. Yeah. And Molly Walker is like the human. Uh, Cerebro. Cere- thank you. Cerebro. Yeah, that, that was the other thing I forgot to mention. Yeah, Renatus and their uh, uh, shit. Renatus is like the new big bad corporation. Primatech started things off. Renatus is the new one. Yeah. They're just It's basically plug and play. We need a new name. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're epic product. There's nothing but Cerebro. Yeah, it's supposed to be like Google Glass, but with Cerebro built in. Yeah, nobody like Google Glass, and that could actually be <laughs> practical shit. <laughs> but um, where that's going is, all right, the, Renatus has figured out a way to take Evos and tap into their powers to turn them into apps. Yeah, I'm not sure how much sense that makes. Although, f- until I get more information, I'm willing to give that a pass up to the point of, uh, okay, I kind of saw that with Professor X in God Loves Man Kills, where the app was Stryker was going to use him to kill all the mutants. Yes. So even there, it's, okay, I'll give it a pass, because it's yet another thing I've seen in a comic book already. Right. It's And that's just 
that's going to be a continuing problem watching this show. It's like, I, I know where this shit is coming from. Yeah. And I would give it more of a pass nine years ago when it was, I don't care. I finally got a show on TV that seems like it's catered to me as a comic fan. Now you're in stiff competition. You got to be doing better than this to really stand out. Yeah. Yep. I, I don't disagree. Um, so, so we've, we've got all of these different parts and, mo- and we still haven't seen everyone yet. Um, there's briefly some blonde girl who is wearing native, like Eskimo looking clothing up near the Northern Lights on the Arctic Circle, some, manipulating something. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, killing the Northern Lights with her brain or some <laughs> shit like that. With, with her invisible protector at her side who isn't jesus <laughs> yeah i wonder if it's a uh, eccleston no it was it was it was female oh was it it okay. was she she did dematerialize uh or materialize by the end okay it was female that i was <laughs> but yeah you're right Re- repeating powers here's another one that goes invisible right we've seen at least two flyers so far yep yep um and then finally, I think I think this is everybody except for this one. We've got this young girl, Japanese, who, once <laughs> given her father's sword, goes all fucking Tron and is sucked into a video game where she's an amazing warrior. Yeah. <laughs> with her gamer sidekick, who unlocked her from her apartment. Uh, yeah, it's... Look, I, I get that he's trying to that that Kring is trying trying to recreate the hero ando chemistry that really kept the original heroes alive for longer than it probably should have been. Yeah, but yeah, look, the best part of all of that is number one, there are combat scenes because of her. Right. Uh, number two, uh, we get to see Hero's sword again. Yes. Uh, the downside is almost to a one. Those combat scenes are uh, shot fucking badly because they they horrible cuts in between the actress playing uh, what's her name Miko yes uh, trying desperately to <laughs> to high kick and then oh cut to her from the back so the stunt person can do the kick. It's just it's awkwardly cut together. But at least there's action in it. Yes, it's not just people talking. So it's it's one up on the original heroes there. But yeah, oh god, the minute the minute <laughs> she took the sword out and went into a video game, it's like, oh god damn it, Krang, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, between between this view of video gaming and the idea of comic books in the first season where it was uh, Isaac and writing and drawing the biggest comic book in the world. The, from his studio in between doing his fine art prescience, I see the future pieces. It, it's like somebody is explaining pop culture to Tim Kring over a shitty Skype connection. And just whatever <laughs> he thinks he hears, he writes down. I do wonder, though, uh, given given that particular thing happening where she somehow magically goes into the video game because that's her power. Um, well, th- that's one. She's also got teleportation because at one point... She removed the sword and put it back and was just in uh, Yamagoto. Uh, Yaga- yeah. The, the, yeah. The the, com- the company that Hiro 
used to work, work for worked at and was ceo of for about 15 minutes in <laughs> two or season two or three yeah because his dad was in charge of it yeah um where i was going with that though is so are we to believe that there is somehow technology that has surfaced um that makes it such that you can have some kind of neural interface um with with a computer network so that if you were powered whatever brainwaves or whatever that is is causing these powers can be translated to a digital medium i have no idea because we've got two situations where this is happening you got molly walker being translated for for the the google glass app right and you've got miko uh being downloaded into a video game yeah i mean look <laughs> it's it's one of those things if you if i Suspension of disbelief has to be suspension of disbelief. That one was a hard dollar to swallow. Yeah. And it's weird. I will, okay. A whole, the, the whole family El Vengador has powers <laughs> except for the one dude in a costume. Okay. Uh, people can phase and people can, uh, fly, but going into a video game, I don't buy that. <laughs> the problem is that's hard to fucking buy. It yeah. Was, it was hard to buy with Tron in 1982. Yeah. Because I owned a computer, and it's like, I know this isn't how it works, but I'm willing to buy it, because I'm 11. <laughs> it's it's a little harder now. Yeah, I don't know why that's the hard one to buy, but yeah, the minute she unsheathed Hero's Sword and was in a video game, it's like, oh, Christ almighty. Well, it makes me wonder, is there some sort of like nano technology at work that just hasn't been unveiled yet that we're not aware of that would make this possible? Because that's about the only way I could see where that would be even remotely, um, I don't even say realistic, but it, it, that seems like the only way it would work for I, this kind of situation. I, I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to get an explanation. I think like Hero, who was just the master of time, space, and dimension, whatever he needed to have, yeah. which, wound, yeah. which wound up being a real story problem, because that's why they stuck him in feudal Japan. It's like, well, shit, Hero can cure everything. Yeah. The minute he knows how to use his powers, whatever problem you got, hero solving. <laughs> she will just, uh, okay, this is her power. It will never be explained. It's just, it, hey, man, you can have powers, and this is hers. I'm not entirely convinced she's human, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Because so far, all we know is she was in that room. She's looking for her father. Who's her father? Spoiler alert, it's going to be hero, I think, if, if she's even a human being, but. Yeah, I mean, she might be some sort of weird hard light holograph. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, she's in this room and, uh, looking for her father, and we've never seen her anywhere except in this room, and for all we know, she's just been in there until somebody came to find her. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The gamer unlocked her, literally unlocked her. It's possible. <laughs> so yeah, I'll spot you. She might, she might be a robot. There may be some nanotechnology going on there. Yeah. But. No, she'll wind up being Hero's daughter. Hero can time travel. He <laughs> knocked somebody up in feudal Japan and dropped her 15 years into his future. I don't know. I, I maybe, maybe we, he... we lived through Hero's season four. You can only expect so much fucking sense out yeah, of this. Yeah, he he sired her in a future with an android. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So real doll tech got real good. <laughs> oh Jesus! How dare you say that about Hiro Nakamura? That's a terrible. Thing. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future. 
and I have a message for you. For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. It's not how Hero swings, goddammit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, as we sit here and pick it apart, there are clearly problems with this show. But at the same time, they are, they are trying to tell what seems to be a fairly ambitious story. So the question will be how well these start to tie together now that we are coming up on what will be roughly the middle of this run. Well, they really have to because one thing I did while I was getting ready for this show and, and taking some notes, I, I did uh, the old – and I may have, I'm sure I've talked about it on the show before, but if not, I, I wrote about it uh, in one of our old posts, particularly about uh, Age of Ultron. Not yes. the movie, but the original comic series. And it's like, taking a look at this, and this is a serious question. Who's the protagonist of Heroes Reborn? I can't pick one out. I mean, there's a lot of strong characters, but it's hard to say who the protagonist is. Yeah, I mean, it's I listed out possibilities. You know, is it Tommy? He's got an origin story. We've learned about his powers, but all we know about him is that he's being hunted. Yeah. Beyond learning how to teleport better and trying to lay into what's her name, <laughs> the the obligatory teenage girlfriend, he hasn't done anything yet. Yeah. The, Luke, the the uh, Evo Hunter. It? The yeah, Evo Hunter Chuck. <laughs> what's the actor's name? I forget his name. Uh, Zachary Levi. Yeah. I mean, he's got powers. We've seen him think his way through traps. He's shown that he doesn't have a belly for killing anymore, but he hasn't fucking done anything yet. That Molly Walker, we've seen her grift. We've seen her be taken prisoner. We've seen her refuse rescue, but she hasn't fucking done anything. The best ones I can think of are Carlos, El Vengador, drunken Mexican Batman. Yes. It's a possibility. Because I mean, clearly he's trying to make up for some fraud in the past. Everyone thinks he's a war hero. He's tried to deny it to people. Um, but problem number one is he's got no powers. As soon as we see him put on the suit, we see him get his fucking ass kicked. Yes. Um, I think it's less likely he'll be the protagonist. More likely he'll be the normal who dies trying to save the Evos. He'll be the sacrifice that becomes the motivating factor for Evos to start coming out of the shadows. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe El Vengador is Spanish for drunken Mexican refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> Fridge drunken Mexican. D-Man. Maybe D-Man. <laughs> oh, God. That's awful. But so I, I don't think he's going to be the protagonist. I think he'll be a major part of the plot. You know, Miko, Katana Girl. I mean, yeah, she's infiltrating Renatus, the, the new company. But... It, yeah, it's to save her father, but we don't really have any indication she really knows who her father is. Right. Spoilers, it's Hero, but, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's like I said, I'm not convinced she's even human. It's like she was wound up and just put in this room to react to being found. Yes. And you she know? makes origami. I noticed that. So there's that little bit lifted from Blade well, Runner. Yeah, I mean, that's a bit of business, but <laughs> that doesn't spell protagonist. No, I'm just saying that's another thing she does. Yeah, it's Noah Bennett. I feel like he's the most likely candidate at this point. He's probably as close as we get. Because he's trying to unravel the mystery of 
of what happened in Odessa and how that relates to what's going on now. And he's the link to the past. He's the link to the past, but also he's wiped out his own memory. Yes. Molly's terrified of him. Um, he, and the Haitian, when he went to go find, when, when Noah went to go find the Haitian, uh, the Haitian's response was to give him back his glasses and then try to kill him. Yeah. Which were apparently Noah's orders to him. Yeah. it's uh, Look, he's got a clear motivation. Find out what happened to his daughter. But <laughs> as a secret agent, I love horn rim glasses guy. As a secret agent in Heroes Reborn, he's a fucking moron. Well, yeah, he gets his car jacked. <laughs> <laughs> he gets his car jacked. With all of the information about all of the Evos everywhere in it for for the, the Evo hunters to then use. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't occur to him to park around the corner and... Uh, Put things in a lockbox. I don't know, yank a, cor- yank a wire out of the distributor or something. You know, double lock the car. But it's it's not only that. I watched part of the pilot again today to uh to get ready for, for the show. All right, he gets his memory wiped. He does it on purpose. And yet he leaves himself a clue to find the Haitian... At Lumiere Ophthalmology. Yes. Now, the Haitian, clearly terrified of what Noah might find out if he gets his memory back, rather than wipe his memory and just fucking disappear, making it impossible for Noah to discover (laughs) the gap in his own memory, instead, he rents out office space for a practice nobody goes to close to Noah's home, (laughs) just in case Noah tries to find him. And then what Noah does... He tries to kill him with the fattest piano wire I've ever found. Talk to a Sicilian Haitian. Use thin wire. It kills much more effectively than that fat. That wire was so fat, it was like he was trying to strangle Noah with a fucking stuffed Snoopy doll. It was a terrible way to kill somebody. Rob, you seem to have a lot of background on this. Is there something you'd like to share with the class? I'm not answering any goddamn questions without my lawyer. Use better wire hair. Better yet, Haitian, you can wipe people's memory. Why don't you, before you try to strangle him, wipe Noah's memory on how to defend himself from being strangled? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I need to have my memory wiped permanently, but let me leave myself a clue and instruct my (laughs) associate to be close by. It feels like like the, the Haitian got really short shrift, honestly. It was... For someone who was so significant in the other seasons to just be like, here he is, and there he goes. <laughs> At least he came back. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if, I don't know who that actor is. I don't know if he's doing other stuff. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, at least he came back. Yeah. But, all right, so maybe Noah's the protagonist, but he he might also be the antagonist. He might have been behind some of this shit. I doubt it. But yeah. It's, with what we know, it's just as likely. All right, so who's the bad guy? Who's well, the adversary? It seems as though they're setting up the, the corporate entity of Renatus and the employees thereof. Yeah, but even then, they said in, I think, the second episode, their plan is to monetize saving the world. They're not trying to take it over. They're trying to save the world. But they're trying to monetize it. But this gets back to the whole uh, NRA argument from before. When when you said, well, you know, wouldn't people be arguing about the right to bear arms if powers became a thing? And and who's to say that anybody has the right to take their ability to, to use their powers from them? And wouldn't there be a lobby? 
so it seems to me that this is this is corporate interests trying to make sure that they can make money off of this and it and that makes it suspect as heroic saving the world it seems more like monetized regulating the world th- better living through powers as long as we can make a buck <laughs> so all powers are napalm from dog dow chemicals yeah I mean, but it's it's just is it heroism if if you're if you're trying to make a buck off of it is it is it truly saving the world if it's um for the greater good of capitalism i can buy that argument except <laughs> as far as i'm concerned that was best examined during mike barron's run on the flash in 1986 yeah doesn't mean it's not a good thing to exit. Okay, so that's fine. But does that mean they're the antagonist? They're probably an antagonist, but well, I think I think we're going to find out that there's something else going on. There's that girl who's trying to manipulate the Northern Lights with her mind because there's something coming. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> in that case, is the antagonist God, the flying spaghetti monster, Cthulhu? <laughs> we don't know yet. We don't know. Is it the Kring has laid out a very ambitious thing with Space a lot of Jesus, <laughs> a lot of dangling ends at the moment. I, I am feeling as though at the moment, Noah Bennett is the protagonist and Renatus is the the antagonist. But we're not sure. But we're not sure. And it's a hell of a thing to be almost a quarter of the way through a story and not be able to say who the protagonist and who the antagonist are. I, I don't disagree. But how long did it take before Siler was actually revealed in the first season? Revealed? Yeah. Or shown as he's killing powers and probably is... Well, either, honestly. Probably. He was revealed. The name Siler and the first dead yeah. powers were in, at least in the pilot, if not the first issue that actually... First issue. See, that's how tied up with comic <laughs> books it is in my head. First episode. Okay. Because we rewatched a after they announced Heroes Reborn, we rewatched a decent chunk of the first. We did. We I I, got, I think I got up through like the first half. Yeah, but it's it's also tied up in my memory because I watched the Comic Con pilot, which is on the DVD set. And yeah, Siler was mentioned right out of the gate, at least by the second episode of what aired. Okay. As as killing powers, so. Yeah, I mean, it's going to really be hard to figure out who. Well, because also. Keep in mind in the in the first season too, Noah was one of the big bads, or seemingly one of the big bads. You raise a decent point there. Yeah. You're right. You're so right. yeah, you had a split focus. You had corporate entity coming after powers, but also a, an evil rogue power. <laughs> and which is the worst threat? The best thing that Kring could probably do here is take a lesson from comic books and say, fine, there is a greater big bad for this trade paperback of six issues, or yeah. in this case, this 13 episode arc, but have a clear focus on an episode by episode basis of this episode is mostly about this character. Now, part of what heroes got a lot of press about when it first came out was, oh, it's the anti-lost where they're not just raising all these questions, but raising all these questions without any idea of where they're going to go with it. But take one lesson from lost in that each episode, there was one character who was really the primary focus. Yeah. 
So make it this issue, if you will, is about this hero trying to overcome this adversary with the idea of by the time we get to 13, we will have the Justice League together, which is really kind of what he did in the first season. Yeah. It's, you know, okay, everybody sort of has their moments and their and everybody will unite against the common foe. But I'm just, I'm not seeing it yet. It's like, okay, yep, there's something big. There is and something big. as far big. as I know, we haven't seen it yet. But you know, I'm also thinking back to, to season one. There were there were multiple potential big bads. You had Siler out there as the rogue element within the powered community. You had Noah Bennett as the the corporate representative of of that which seeks to uh, hinder, monetize, whatever. And you had Lindemann representing um, political forces and and moneyed lobby because it's related to the Petrelli family family. Yes, but also they were pointed at particular characters. Siler was the overall. Linderman was Nikki's problem. Uh, but also Nathan's problem. <laughs> true. Okay. You've got a point. And, and maybe I'm, I'm nitpicking. I probably am nitpicking. You know, <laughs> you, you don't pay this much attention to be like, what's not. And the sad thing is I'm still going to watch it and I'll, I'll get to why I'm still going to watch it. Cause it, I don't think it's terrible. I, I think it's, I, I think it's, I didn't want to call it a mess, but it's all over the place right now. And there's not enough information to really understand what this is even about so far. Yeah. I don't disagree, but, but I will continue to watch it. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but it's, it's frustrating. Cause I really, I wanted this to be, I wanted this to justify what I've always felt about heroes. That we've got those first two seasons on DVD. Yes. Yeah, we didn't get the other ones, but we kept watching it. Those first two DC Comics hardcover volumes of related comic book stories. We right. got them. Yeah. You know, it's... We uh, wanted to believe. Yeah, part of me was <laughs> kind of excited. It's like, okay, well, Tim Sale's going to be at Boston Comic Con. Maybe I'll finally get that Hero Nakamura. Yeah. You know, for Christ's sake, our band in rock band <laughs> was the Hero Nakamura experience. <laughs> <laughs> touring for its its rock opera album that's uh, ando's got a posse ando has a posse yeah um and we had t-shirts made yeah we did because back in the day you could get when rock band was the biggest game in the world rock band 2 you could have t-shirts of your band made yep and, and we had it uh that it, we're on the save the cheerleader save the world tour 2007 2008 <laughs> And I wanted Heroes Reborn to justify as how much I loved that show and have have stuck by it even as it's not returned it since about 2007 yeah yeah but it's it, to sit here and go oh it's it's everything i ever wanted it, it's disingenuous it doesn't hold up it's there's it's got significant problems it does but let's see what happens with the next episode yeah because i want to like it some things are working like you said yeah show me horn rim glasses guy i'm not convinced he's not the bad guy in this but yeah, putting as much of the focus on him as possible is smart. He's always been the best character in a lot of ways, the most interesting character on the show. I mean, Company Man is still the best episode of this series that's been put out. Yeah. Ever. I agree. Yeah. Tease Hero Nakamura. The most exciting moment of this show to this day is when badass Hero came out of the dark on the subway. Yep. <laughs> and he said, My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future. And I have a message for you. Beauty this idea. movie was shot in 3B. <laughs> Three beers and it looks good, eh? All right, I screwed up the second part of that. But 
Yeah, to, to see smiling hero come out as badass hero. That was exciting. And that's, that's a tease this show has, as far as I'm concerned, put out there since 2006. It's time to cash that check. Yeah. I'm excited to see that happen. You know, little things are working for me. In this last episode, Noah's got the, the guy, uh, in charge of the security cameras at the hospital, uh, with all the footage from June 13th. Yep. He's got the guy at gunpoint. <laughs> and he's screaming shit straight out of CSI. Zoom in on that. No, I can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Show me another angle in this room. There's only one camera in that room. <laughs> Sir. It's like, that's one in the face of a million shitty episodes of CSI. There's little things that are really working for me. All but, right. Here's the thing. Cause you got me thinking like, so Noah, Noah at the beginning of this, of this series has a new fiance. Claire's dead. He seemingly has had himself mind wiped. What happened to the already spotty-brained wife and normal teenage son? <laughs> Where'd they go? Did, did the Haitian disappear them too? They're at the bottom of a ditch. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. That's probably a question somebody should ask. <laughs> yeah, where the fuck's the fiance? She was in the first episode, and Noah just disappeared. Yeah, yeah. You know, he doesn't have the Haitian anymore to mind wipe her. What? <laughs> What, he give her a fucking triage lobotomy from MASH? Just ice pick her in the eyeball? <laughs> Maybe. It's <laughs> like, a, nope, no, I got to go off with this crazy person who stalked me to my house. Sorry, honey. Yeah. I'll be back. I have to go get um, something from the store. <laughs> all, after he, all after he goes to his stash of information that he keeps in his safe of his framed picture of the American flag. I got news for you. If you got a framed picture of the American flag, that's where your safe is. You probably. <laughs> probably. Look, Noah Bennett's a pimp, and here's how I know it. Because he immediately <laughs> turns around after losing his memory, scores himself a hot blonde, probably eight years younger than him, ready to marry him. <laughs> and he clearly was smart enough not to give her his real fucking name. <laughs> so he could just disappear into the night, go out for that pack of cigarettes, never come back. Noah Bennett is Bruce Springsteen's fucking dream of escape. He just, <laughs> he, he's he, he's Neil McCauley from Heat. He's got nothing in his life. He can't walk out on a 10 seconds flat if a superhero comes and gives him his memory back. Tries to kill him with the fattest fucking piano wire. The piano wire is so fat, if you play it in a piano, it's probably the brown note, you shit Jesus. your pants. Noah Bennett is America's greatest hero. He's a hero to men everywhere. He's exactly how to live. He makes Tucker Max look like a fucking deacon. Oh, yeah, okay. He was wrong and you knew it. I shouldn't have yeah, said yeah, that. Yeah, that was, that was a bridge too far. But all right, so I'm, I'm enjoying seeing Noah. I missed Hornroom Glasses Guy, for Christ's sake. But it's it, the show is just, it's deeply flawed. If you're not a fan of heroes, this ain't going to make you one. If Probably you, not. If, if you don't have that deep connection that we felt with that first season, this is not going to do anything for you. It's all over the fucking place. But ultimately, I will watch this for all the flaws that it's got. And I will fucking enjoy it because it is a comic book story and I'm a comic book fan and I'm a fan of this particular comic book story. And for anybody who says that's not a good enough reason, picture like Straczynski's run on Spider-Man. 
and you got one more day in there and you got sins past. They're terrible fucking stories. They're yeah. fucking awful. They're a complete misuse of all the characters involved in the story. I didn't drop the book from my polls because no, I, I fucking love Spider-Man. Sins past is, you know, you talk about the brown note. <laughs> that is Damn. Sins past is the brown note of Spider-Man. <laughs> like it, it makes the Spider-Clone saga like Stairway to Heaven. It's just... <laughs> All right, that's that's a that's a wrong statement, and I shouldn't have said it that. It was wrong, and you knew it, and I knew it. But but yeah, it's, those were terrible stories. But I didn't drop the book. I read them. I said, okay, now I'm done with that. What comes next? Yeah, and and Spider Man is still on my polls, despite the fact that those went wrong. There were some terrible stories in there, you know. But it's I, I like Spider Man. I'm a geek. I like Hiro Nakamura. I like horn rim glasses guy. You know, I have an investment in these characters. Yeah. And that investment goes back to San Diego 2006. And that's an investment that most people don't have. But it means that I'll stick with it the same way I stuck with Spider-Man. I've said before on this show, and it's not a popular opinion, I was in no way a fan of what Grant Morrison did with Batman. That was five fucking years of Batman. I read them. I said, okay, this isn't working for me, but let's see where it goes. And eventually it ended. And now, okay. Yep. Because I like Batman. Okay. So. <laughs> no, you're, you're not wrong. And, it, and it's it's okay to be loyal to something because you care about the property and you're curious to see where the storyteller is going to take it, even if you don't agree with the choices. And that's something we've talked about on this show. You know, with with the rise of social media and, and the use of, of the internet as a conduit for fans to share their thoughts with creators it it takes an already very passionate community and gives them such a platform to to reach out and and shout their thoughts sometimes in uh less kind ways than others they got my dick message <laughs> um in in ways that suggest that they don't understand that they're not the ones telling the story, even if they love the character. And you, you don't really have a lot of say in what, what the storyteller is going to tell you. You just got to listen to the story and make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, I, I take it to the Doctor Who fandom, the number of folks out there that, you know, are looking for every single excuse to, to shit on Moffat. Like, oh, oh, ratings were down this week. Maybe this will be the week they fire him. Like, <laughs> It's, we're certainly not not guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like it, it's an increasingly more vocal fandom for these various genre communities. So, yes, uh, we we are right to sit here and nitpick and criticize because we love it. Do we are also right though in understanding that that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to change anything that they're doing. The story's already written. Oh yeah, it's what's done is done. Yeah. You know, and if so far it's not as good as I hoped, all right. Yeah, you know, life sucks. Yeah. But I've seen in the previews, we're going to see Hero again. All right. I, I, like, I like Hiro Nakamura. <laughs> Yata. <laughs> My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future, and I have a message for you. They talked the bar! The whole fucking bar! That's a good message. <laughs> it is. It is. You're going to get a... You're going to get your own bar in our new place. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the The new home office, close to the studio, 
will have a bar with a kegerator. If I have to go into fucking debt, <laughs> it will have a bar with a kegerator and an etched bar mirror calling it the Gentleman Loser, <laughs> which was Case's Bar from Neuromancer. And that's the only bar name I can think of that uh, somebody... that <laughs> I could do Josie's Bar from Daredevil, but that's eh. a little obvious. Gentleman Loser is kind of obscure and geeky enough. People who, people who don't know sci-fi who come to the home office will just say, oh, that's a good name for the bar. <laughs> is that from Steely Dan? Is it what? <laughs> so. So, yeah, I, I guess maybe we'll talk about Heroes Reborn again at the end of it. Perhaps. But, yeah, at this point, if you're not a Heroes fan, I can't recommend it to you. I can't. There's better. There's objectively better superhero television available to you. It's true. Sad to say. There's also objectively worse. I'm not sure it's worse than Gotham. <laughs> um, you know, Gotham Gotham is growing on me. Gotham still... started stronger this year than it did yeah. last year. Yeah, when Joker tried to set that whole busload of cheerleaders on fire and everyone's like, Why would he do that? I don't know. Have you ever been stuck behind a school bus trying to get to work in the morning? <laughs> That's not a thing. That's not a thing that happened. <laughs> is it? What? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Did, I know you were drinking when we watched it, but yeah. Oh, heavily. Jerome, who probably is the Joker. He's not going to be the Joker. Got on the bus because they were trying to make a statement and get attention. And and yeah, he doused all the cheerleaders that were on the bus with, with gasoline and he was going to light them on fire. But then Jim Gordon got there and saved the day. I may have passed out for a while on the couch. And everybody gonna... was all like, why would he do that? <laughs> Check your morning commute. There are reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a reason we're talking heroes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I passed out halfway through that episode this week. That's why we kept it on the TiVo. So yes. I can... But yeah, it's if you're not a fan of heroes, look, Heroes Reborn ain't going to make you one. If you want to know what Heroes is about, it's on Netflix. Do season one and then just stop. <laughs> but if, if you've got an investment from early on, if you're one of the <laughs> One of increasingly the... fewer people who admit in public, yeah, I watched it all the way through and got at least something out of it all the way through. It's not any worse than it became. Right. I wish it was better, but I'll watch it because I love some of these characters and I'm psyched to be able to see them again. I agree. Is that a good enough reason? Who cares? We're geeks. <laughs> it's been a good enough reason for me to stack 50 long boxes worth of books. Yeah. All right. Speaking of which, you want to talk about a couple of books? Let's talk about a couple of books. Which book would you like to talk about first? So I take a pull from my beer. Um, to calm myself down. Honestly, I think given what we were talking about with Noah Bennett, um, I think it's worthwhile to seg to uh, Batman Annual. All right. Batman Annual number four. four. Uh, written by James Tinney and the Fourth, uh, art by Roge Antonio. Yes. So, yeah, it's a good Sean Murphy cover. Indeed. Jerry Powers, uh, head of Powers, uh, the company that is fronting uh, Bunny Ear Batman. <laughs> uh, she's closing up the version of Arkham Asylum that was based in Wayne Manor that popped up at the end of uh, Batman Forever. Uh, no, Batman Eternal, rather. Batman Forever, very <laughs> different. Very fucking different. <laughs> very different. But <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the version uh, that popped up in Wayne Manor at the end of uh, Batman Eternal that nobody figured would even last this fucking long because it's kind of dumb. But, you know, hey, whatever. She's ready to sign it back to uh, our Bruce favorite Wayne. amnesiac, <laughs> Bruce Wayne, who has no memory of ever being Batman. 
But uh, yeah, some of its most recent tenants have different ideas. Uh, the first thing I want to call out about this, I've done it a million times. It is not specific for this book, but it happens in this book. It pisses me off to no fucking end. Every time I see it in a book we talk about, I'm going to call it out. I am sick of fucking double page layouts <clears throat> that require the reader to read across the book's spine when there is no goddamn visual cue within the first couple of panels that that's how you're meant to read the book. Yes. This in this one, it's I'm talking about story pages. Is not this one. Uh, yes, not counting ads. Story pages 19 and 20. We have three rows of panels. The first panel technically crosses the spine, but there's only black from the spine to the edge of panel two in the first row. Now, both other rows, if you look down, have panel breaks right on the spine. Yep. So there's no solid visual cue. You have to read it across. Just looking at it at a glance, it looks like you have to read it normally. It becomes impossible. It pulls you out of the fucking book, guaranteed. It is an unforgivable fucking way to lay out pages, to do it in a way that makes the reader have to puzzle out how to read your book. It's a storytelling failure, and I see it all the fucking time. Yes. God damn it. Okay. Um, I'm lost. Uh... I'm angry, and I'm armed. That's basically it. Yeah, I, I I read those pages wrong also, and didn't even realize that I read them wrong. I just was like, uh, okay, that just happened. Oh, ice wall. <laughs> then I went to the next page. Yeah. No, it's, I see it all the time. I don't understand why you would think that's an acceptable way to lay out a page. It's For the, the writer scripting it and the artist interpreting it, it is your job to make it clear how to read the goddamn book. When you do it this way, you're failing. It was wrong and you knew it. Don't fucking do it. So in terms of the story <sighs> itself. Yes, okay. They're, they're, <laughs> it's not a bad little story. No. Um, Jerry Power is, Powers is yes. uh, giving giving the, the manor back. Alfred realizes that something is wrong because the office they go into in order to sign the papers, he realizes is not the office, at least as far as his recollection, which is probably pretty good one would hope of where the office is supposed to be and it turns out that the last three high maintenance villains that they were supposed to be moving from the property have managed to escape so clayface uh dr freeze and mr freeze sorry mr freeze and <laughs> um and the riddler are are all still in the house and and they have a beef with bruce wayne because and for a while, you're led to believe maybe they know he's Batman, which would be interesting because Bruce Wayne doesn't even know that he's Batman. Yeah. But it turns out that they, they blame him for bankrolling, uh, in their words, the maniac who came after them. Yeah. And wouldn't leave them alone and caused them all of this hurt and abuse and scarring. To which any reasonable person, person would say, hey, jackass, you're a criminal. Maybe if you weren't a fucking criminal, Batman wouldn't have come after you and stomped on your testicles. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's a uh, there's there's some interesting stuff in this story, and I generally liked it. Um, it does take this conceit that Scott Snyder has introduced that Bruce Wayne would come back from Endgame uh, without Batman in him, and it shows how really untenable a situation that is, and how it can't last. The, right. Yeah, the the fact that Bruce outed himself as Batman's financier 
another thing I don't necessarily agree with from Grant Morrison and Batman Incorporated, but all right, that's how it's been for a couple of years. But yeah, it would make him a target for yeah. Batman's rogues gallery, and there's no way he would ever escape that, you know, whether he remembered it or not. Now, and an interesting thing that I did like in this that doesn't get a lot of play is, you know, yeah, the Joker in particular is supposed to be Batman's reflection. He exists, his entire reason to exist is to be Batman's nemesis. But most of the other rogues aren't. They would fucking hate Batman, and not in an arch nemesis kind of way. These guys all had goals. <laughs> they had goals that had nothing to do with Batman. They had life plans. Batman fucked up their Kool-Aid. Yeah. He ruined their field trip. They were hoping to not run into Batman. <laughs> they did, They woke up that morning and said, I have an intricate plan that hopefully will not involve the Batman. <laughs> I would like very much for it to not involve the Batman. I've gone days without sleep <laughs> in order to find the things that I need to keep Batman away from my plan. <laughs> so these guys, they don't want to fight Batman. They hate him yes. for getting in the way. So they would try to get revenge in any way they could. Sure. And it's it's important to remember that about a lot of Batman's rogues gallery. It's it's really easy to get caught up in the oh did would these villains have existed without Batman? Would this level of crime have been created without Batman? And you can make that argument, but just because the level of crime had to go up because of Batman doesn't mean those criminals want to get their fucking taint kicked by Batman. It's true. It's true. So it it's examining that a little bit i think is is important to do every now and again and I, I thought it was an interesting point in the story yes but even as an amnesiac as bruce wayne is challenged over the course of this story little things that i think even surprise him start to come out in terms of huh there's this level of strategy we're trapped in this house um all contact has been cut off with the outside world so you know bunny bat outside can't get to us because the signal's blocked i suppose we'd have to look for something to uh to to disable to make that signal go away right and this is all coming from bruce <laughs> yeah and i'm sure that those kind of thoughts intruding on him over time will be what lead to bruce wayne coming back to being batman again yeah i'm uh, guessing well and there's also at the end you know he's he's certainly not humbled by any of this he he defeats even without being batman he defeats all of these guys um because alfred lets him in on about a couple of secrets in the house right in terms of some traps that are that are there and um he also demonstrates an understanding of his own physicality at the end in literally kicking the riddler in the head <laughs> and yeah, that, that was a great line i hope this scars yeah um I, I would imagine that these sorts of thoughts and feelings and um the, the physicality piece are, are going to probably trigger him sooner than later oh yeah they i'm sure we will find out or, or not necessarily find out but what will come up will be they call it muscle memory for a reason yeah and if you spent your entire adult life kicking the Riddler in the neck, sure, certain things will become second nature to you. Yeah. And might trigger other things. Um, so, yeah, th those are the parts of the book I liked. There were, there were some things I was not particularly psyched about. I don't think this story had to be 38 pages. Probably not. I think they used the 38 because they had them, but there, there are some signs of stretching here. There's a, 
a couple of splash pages that don't need to be splash pages. They don't necessarily add anything to the story. You know, there's a whole page of Bruce protesting that Wayne Manor doesn't mean anything to him, but he's already said it in earlier pages. There's a couple other pages of just pure exposition, particularly around Riddler telling Bruce his own history. Yeah. That just seem to be there because, hey, there are pages and uh, they must be filled. Yes. So, and okay. So it's, I don't think it had to be 38 pages. I don't think it's, uh, we took a 20 page story and stretched it to 38, but, eh. But, uh, one thing I'm seeing here that I'm not sure I'm going to be on board with, it's really going to depend on how Snyder and the other writers involved in the Bat Family books in the coming few months handle it, are the idea of filling out Bruce's history to imply that he was a genuine fucking borderline personality case. Uh, well, I'm not before sure. he decided to become Batman. I I don't I don't know. I'd have to see in the other books. I honestly thought that that was the Riddler just fucking with him. That didn't occur to me. And if that's the case, if he's just making up shit from Bruce's backstory to make him feel insane, although no, he flat out said I was crazy. Bruce did. Did he? Well, yeah, but he's also trying to bring this to a to an end. So. <laughs> Okay. So I, I was crazy. That's what you want to hear. <laughs> I didn't take it that way. You you could be right that Riddler's trying to fuck with Bruce and Bruce is trying to fuck with him right back. But no, I took it as no, this is Riddler saying things that supposedly were part of Bruce's history and Bruce was implying I remember pieces of this. If that's if you're right then hey, we're fine. But if it's if we're supposed to believe that yep this is really what bruce was and he really was damn near insane uh i'm that's a dangerous thing if they don't handle it right i mean obviously bruce was traumatized by his parents murder yeah he became batman but to give bruce wayne a long and storied history of like screaming at passers-by and possibly masturbating on the bus <laughs> that put batman very close to what Batman has battled, and I recognize that this Bruce Wayne is not supposed to be Batman. The whole concept is, what would Bruce Wayne be like if he were never Batman? But to say that the only thing, to, to say that dressing up like Bella Lugosi and beating on people who are have similar symptoms to himself are the only things that are stopping him from nerve-gassing Gotham Academy while pissing in the reservoir... That might be a little much. Yeah, no, I I think it's more likely that the Riddler was fucking with him. I hope that's the case, because I, I walked out of this book thinking, uh, okay, the concept of Bruce Wayne creating Batman to make sure that no one else will ever suffer the way that he did, that's noble. Right. The idea of Bruce creating Batman as an alternative to setting fucking fires and jacking off while watching from across the street is insane. Yeah. And one of the things that Riddler says is, oh, yeah, you set fires, man. And it's, so it's, that's the kind of thing Batman exists to stop. Yeah. So, so to say I was acting like this until I decided to do this other thing, that's like, all I can think is that, that would make Batman like dry drunk behavior. This is the thing I'm doing so I don't do this other crazy destructive shit. And that's not heroic. But it is interesting. Well, I, I would imagine you know, Julie... Who supposed who who the Riddler alludes to as having been present for some of this um, friend from childhood? Yeah, Julie Madison and uh, Alfred, who certainly would have witnessed it as well. They're right there, so 
they can say yay or nay on what the Riddler <laughs> um, was talking about. It, yeah, look, if it was the Riddler fucking with him and Bruce screaming back to try to just get him to play into being close enough to be in rifle range to shoot the the transmitter, all right, fine. But it's it, it occurred to me it's if this is what we're going to be told was Bruce's history, at least as far as the new 52 is concerned, that that's problematic. Cause you don't want the crazy guy. Yeah. You don't want the crazy guy. You want the guy who's, who's tightly wound and in control. <laughs> yeah. Cause one choice is heroic. One choice is a kid deciding I will do this thing that seems crazy. So nobody has to feel like this. The other one is, at least if I do this, then I, I won't feel like shanking Alfred in the neck and changing my name to Wally yeah. West or something. Um, I think I think things will shake out a little bit more probably going forward. Well, it's uh, we'll see how it plays out. It could be very like I said, it, the concept is interesting if it's done right, but if it's really. <laughs> Oh yeah, Bruce Wayne screaming for shock therapy, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that doesn't seem right. Flicking boogers at passersby, and <laughs> it's uh, that that might be a little bit much. I mean, if he if he ran off to Nanda Parabat to quiet his brain <laughs> rather than go through shock therapy, <laughs> it, yeah, it's if if you do too much of that, it. it well, then, then what differentiates him from Moon Knight at that point? Truly, it's like they decided, you know what? <laughs> Warren yeah. Ellis had the right idea. We're going to just steal that back. <laughs> exactly. A, a character who's only ever been able to support six issues of his own book. Let's make the Batman similar to that guy. It, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's not a good plan. <laughs> and uh, we'll see. It's it's an interesting thing to explore, but if we're going to make it, uh, oh, yeah, Bruce, uh, yeah, couldn't be trusted. <laughs> he was uh, drinking vermouth and and spitting at babies and <laughs> old pantsless Bruce we called him <laughs> <laughs> old show me your taint Bruce couldn't couldn't buy in the liquor store not because he was underage no pants oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out but uh, overall I enjoyed the book I, I don't think it needed to be as long as it did and you're potentially playing with fire by by saying. <laughs> Bruce was crazy. Yes. We'll see how it goes. All right. All right. So that brings us to, speaking of things that may be a change in how we view characters, Gotham yeah. by Midnight. Gotham by Midnight, number nine, written by Ray Fox, uh, art by Juan Ferreira. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, internal affairs, uh, they've brought in Corrigan and Drake, uh, thrown them in a box. <laughs> uh, they're tossing the Midnight Shift office once and for all. In one interrogation room, uh, cops are trying to get Drake to turn on Corrigan, and the other trying to get Cor to, Corrigan to confess that he's the one behind the people the Spectre killed. But, you know, God's behind the Spectre's actions, and Corrigan has nothing to do with them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually about that. <laughs> Funny thing, that. Yeah. So, look, I, I have missed a couple issues of Gotham by Midnight. I, it's been on your poll list. Yep. Um, but I have not seen one issue of the ones that I've read that I haven't liked. And it's issues like this that really raise fundamental questions about 
the underpinnings and the motivations of its primary character like in a big, wide, sweeping way like this issue does make me really bummed out that this series is ending. Next, I think the next issue is the last issue of this series. I think series. you're right. It ends in, uh, in November, I think. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, this was really a good issue. <laughs> It, it was. I mean, ultimately, what ends up happening is Drake, who is apparently a banshee, go figure, uh, which means that she has the the power to to foretell death, um, and and does so by by letting go a, an ear splitting whale. <laughs> don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Marie, and don't look at it, no matter what happens. Um, while she's being sweated in her box, and that's not a euphemism. Um, <laughs> That that starts to happen, and she warns every warns people, you know, evacuate the building because she knows that once this comes out, somebody's going to die. Yeah. Meanwhile, over in Corrigan's box, which is different than Drake's box. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, they're they're finally beginning to to break Corrigan down and basically get him to admit you're the specter, but you know. Or you think you're the specter, you think you're doing things because God's telling you to, but you're just doing it because you want to, and you're abusing this power. Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. I got one for everything. (laughs) And so, you know, the one thing that he truly believes about himself is that when the specter comes out, yeah, he has no control over it. That it's something completely... um, disassociated from him he is merely the vessel so spoilers the reveal at the end is the specter tells him oh no no it ain't god (laughs) yeah well you did this it it was cool for me not just in a character standpoint where in the course of 18 pages fox breaks down everything corrigan and we think about him and the specter yeah it could very easily be a statement for anybody who thinks they're doing something because God told them to. Right. Be it jihadis or people protesting abortion clinics or the uh, Fred Phelps friggin' <laughs> what's what's his church? Uh, Westboro Baptist. Westboro Baptist Church. It, it can be a comment on anyone who thinks, Kim no, Davis. yeah, <laughs> I'm doing this because God told me to. And then to have the power turn around and say, no, it was you, and have it be destructive and turn on them. It was, there was really a lot going on in, in this book that I found really interesting and compelling. And not just about the character. The character stuff was awesome, but sort of that higher level of, if you think God is telling you to do something terrible, is it really God? Even if you hear the goddamn voice in your head. Right. Is it really God? And in, in this case, yeah, and, and it's doubly powerful because we've never in 70 years of Spectre stories been given any reason to right. believe that the Spectre did anything but what he and God wanted. Yeah. And in fact, you know, the, the, there are whole storylines where Spectre battles with other similarly powered characters and comes off as a complete dick, but he's a dick for God. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and the way Fox does it in literally 18 pages, the first page is just everyone's in the box and the hammer falls before the last page and just simple stuff. Like one of the IA cops saying, 
you know, the Joker's killed 200 people. You really think God is more interested in this one guy who killed two? It's like, yeah, shit, if God's driving, why? Yeah, you can say the Lord works in mysterious ways all you want, but that math doesn't add up. Yeah. That number doesn't make any sense. Um, so it makes you really think, cause is this a new 52 thing? <laughs> yeah. Or, or has this been, you know, for a while, uh, Hal, Hal Jordan was driving and this was shortly after he was parallax. <laughs> yeah. And all that Green Lantern stuff is supposedly still in continuity. So yeah, yeah it raises questions about Hal Jordan and, and how that happened. But it's just, it, it really, and I compared this to, yeah, the 30-something page Batman story. It's This was tight, and it blew everything out of the water. Not just for the character, uh, but for really raising all these other questions. It's This is tight, awesome, economical writing. I'm gonna, I miss some of the issues of this book. Now it's, I'm really going to miss this book. There was never a bad issue of it that I read. I missed a few. I'm like, shit. <laughs> Hopefully there'll be a trade. <laughs> I'm sure there will be, but yeah, yeah this one, uh, I wish this book survived. Yeah. yeah, it's, and for some of this stuff, you know, this is a big reveal and I don't know if it was just Fox being like, you know, uh, uh, all right, I got this character for right now and I know the hammer's falling because I can, whether it was, dude, you got two issues or, all right, I can see the writing on the wall, but for whatever reason, he's swinging for the fences. This kind of storytelling takes some fucking stones. It does. It does. I mean, because it, it also it makes all these questions about, you know, it, did, did the Spectre get corrupted by spending so much time in contact with humanity? <laughs> in contact with humanity or just in contact with Corrigan? With this, with this particular human, yeah. Because early on, there's... And there has been throughout the series, you know, references to his work in the evidence room, which would yeah. go back to Gotham Central. That's right. That's right. And pre-New 52, where Corrigan was corrupt as hell. That's right. So. I love those stories. Those were great stories. Those were awesome. That, that's that's why I get a little sad every time I see Gotham on TV. It's like, I, I want a Gotham Central. Just have Batman be off somewhere. I don't need teenage Batman making fucking dynamite with Alfred and blowing up his own fucking house. No. <laughs> Batman's off in the corner. These are the cops who have to deal with this shit. Yeah. Would have been so much better. That said, Donal Logue is working. He's an awesome bullock. And I'll continue to watch Gotham for that. Yes. But now we're we're on a tangent. This but, this story, I mean, it's it takes all of the the best um sort of pieces of of a noir X Files y kind of kind of tale. And grounds them in in Gotham, which is its own character. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, it's it's a decent police procedural. Yes, it's without know, being overly. I'm reading a police procedural. Yeah, but yeah, it, it opens with two internal affairs cops saying, "Okay, here's how we're going to handle the interview." Yep, and talking to an experienced cop, he's like, "Nah, I know what you're doing," and you know. References one of the tricks they were going to use. Yep. And yeah, trying to get one to turn against the other and search warrants going on. But in the meantime, there's this supernatural shit going on. While at the same time, it's we're Gotham PD. We've dealt with the Joker. Okay. You're the specter, but we think your motives are fucked up. It's yeah. It was just, this is a really good issue. 
Look, it's too late to get into this goddamn book. If you're listening to this, it's like, wow, this is a new book I can pick up. You can pick up this one and you can pick up the last one. But, but and, and if your comic book store has has a, a good inventory, you can probably go back and get the back issues. Yeah. And it's if you read this, you're not going to know. If you walk into this issue for the first one, you're not going to know everything that's going on. No. But with just what Fox did in this issue, if you want to see a guy who's saying, all right, if I'm going to go out, I'm taking all of you fucking with me. This is not a bad thing to just say, all right, let's see what he's doing because it's cool shit. Yeah, well, it's also a great example of, uh, you know, when they when they were talking about all of these different books that were coming out back when they were giving the writers more latitude before they before DC realized that it wasn't making money yeah. <laughs> and was pulling back on that initiative. Yep. Um, yeah, so for all of us that were sort of feeling alienated by changes in things like Batgirl, okay, here's here's a book for us. It's got horror elements. It's got Gotham PD elements. It's it's yeah. <laughs> you know, the specters in it. It's cool. It's going away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it also means Bruce Wayne will be back as Batman soon. And we yeah. Do. But but I do feel like you know. All right. One thing I've 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 learned over the New Fifty Two and and some of these other like DCU initiative whatever. You know, um, I firmly. I, I I knew this about myself, but I, I've realized yet again about myself. For these books, I, I like things with horror elements. Um, I like the things that are dark, that are that are noiry, that are are more grounded in these sort of police stories. Sure. Um, so I I hope down the line there will continue to be stories like that in DC for readers like me. Well, it, hopefully. Uh, the 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 Batman group's decision a few months ago of let's try to make a Batman book for everybody. Yeah, it brought us this, brought Gotham Academy. Clearly, there's a larger audience for that right now. Yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, hopefully this won't make them stop. Because Fox has done this. He's done Constantine. Yep. And toward the end of his Constantine, he really was nailing that one. The dude writes a pretty solid horror story. Yeah. So hopefully they can find... Something Find for a place from the land because he, well, you know, had the Vertigo previews this week, so <laughs> maybe you can go do something on Vertigo, perhaps. But, but yeah, it's this is not the place to get into this book because it ends next week. But it was noteworthy, and we felt it was worth talking about just because, yeah, they did some really interesting and ballsy stuff with it. Yes. So, yeah, if you if you just want to see somebody say, "All right, I'm taking all of you with me." <laughs> Give this one a shot and, and tune back in next month because I'm really looking forward to that last issue. I agree. All right. Anything else on this one or how are we doing on time? Uh, I think we've been at this for about an hour and 48 minutes. Oh, God help us all. So, <laughs> All right. So why don't we wrap it up? Okay. Uh, don't know where you found this particular episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. And over the next month, as things may continue to be up in the air occasionally as we move home office, uh, that would be one place where you can always look to see uh, if there are going to be any issues with getting an episode out on time. Uh, that is a good place to check for it. But you can also check for us uh, on our Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com slash crisis on infinite midlives. Uh, we're trying to do more with it. Obviously, we got a lot of shit going on in our personal lives. Yes. We certainly get messages through it, but uh, we'll also 
that's a good place to see uh, what our schedule looks like. And you can send us a message through that. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Infinite Midlife. We are on Tumblr, which is uh, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. Uh, you can email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives <laughs> at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes. If you happen to find the show there, do us a favor. Shoot us a review. Give us a rating if you like the show. Uh, it helps other people find the show. And nice to hear what people think about us. Yes. Uh, about the show, not us as people. We're reprehensible. We're horrible people. We're scumbags. All right, that's maybe too much, but uh, we are. Uh, you can find us on TuneIn Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network, and that is it. This has been episode eighty-eight of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and Dirk. Er-